a bonus banter where we answer your questions and talk about nothing. Welcome back to bonus banter. We have a loaded schedule this week. We've missed a week of being able to record, so you know inevitably the bonus banters have stacked up. We got a bunch in today to talk about, and hopefully this episode isn't an hour long because that would be a lot of work. But no, we got a lot of questions this week to work through. A lot of good ones, honestly. So let's go ahead and just. Just dive right into it. No special whatever the hell we just ate bonus pantry topic to start We're on us an off. agenda. <laughs> We're on an agenda. We that's had right. some shitty coffee earlier. We did not. It was coffee. It was good. I had McDonald's. Oh my God. We can't do this. No, no, no. <laughs> Back to questions. Uh, <laughs> the first question was written in to make me feel bad and angry. So we'll start with that one because that'll make the episode spicy. What is it? Uh, Sam in Poland. And I will take a moment to Polish. say. Poland? Sam, because I think this person said I mispronounced his name, and I'm boy. I don't know if S means something else in the <laughs> Polish version of the Latin alphabet, but it is S A M. And down here in Merkaville, that's Sam. Uh, so okay. Sam, Sam Tholomew over in Poland uh, asks: Since Derek hated the last one so much, what animal companion would you like to have in your current party? Are they fun in Second Edition? <laughs> so please, you degenerates, uh, you monsters. Uh, Talk about your animal companion desires. Well, Saikir is not an animal companion. They are a member of the party. Well, Sam, as you can tell... Bigger kitty. As as we can tell that you've not been listening to us since there are no animal companions in this party, uh, we don't fucking know. Would you like... What one do you like to have? I don't know if we've played much of other two other times. The simple answer is we've never interacted with animal companions. Yeah, we don't fucking know. Uh, I will say Chester came close to having a familiar, yeah. an alchemical familiar. You could have had you could have uh, had your own slick. Yeah, but I decided against it oh, so I could throw so bombs big, better. Uh, it was the right decision. Personally, yeah. I would not be against having an decision. animal companion. However, I know that Derek hates them, so I don't do them. I am not oh, no, going to subject uh, because Derek hates them. But I want to do them. I'm not going to subject myself to that emotionally again. Uh, well, this is part of the game. This is all there is to you it. made a good animal companion in one E and then you learned yeah. your place. Learn your place, trash. I listened to a podcast where one of the characters has an animal companion, and it's nice because it's not hard. Your animal companion doesn't get their entire own turn in this game. That is nice. They get like if you a spend part. an action, they get yeah. two actions. That is a lot better than one E mm-hmm. where they so have it, their own turn. It doesn't really clog things up, which feels a lot nicer. And uh, I really want to mess with an animal companion, but I've yet to. That's why I hate yeah. them, audience. But it's I'd not, take a dinosaur. It's not because I hate my players and what they like and I want to win. That's only part of it. It's a small part. I like making my <laughs> players feel the fear of God, right? Yeah. Like this gets in the whole death discussion, which we don't have time for. Like I like making you a feared, but I ultimately want you to win and I'm not out to get you. I don't like animal companions because I have to run the initiative. And that's hard enough. Like <laughs> when the game is just like, you know what? Chum fight. Here's five enemies. Go I'm, ham. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Having an animal companion should be fucking terrifying. Every single time that you enter a combat, it should be like, oh my God, my, my cat is yeah. out there fighting people. That's my Stop. dog. Yeah. Reminding me of my trauma. 
Uh-huh. I know. Okay, this is this is a John Wick instance waiting to happen. We had one person join our game a while back, our homebrew game. They were a ranger. They had a badger animal companion, and every yeah. time we played, they made very special. Uh, they made specially uh, sure to utilized. say, "I left my animal companion at home because I cannot risk them dying." Yeah, <laughs> this so was legitimately like, gimped their character, great. left uh-huh. the badger at home. Fantastic. Good for, good for her. Good great. for her. That's great. That badger was loved. Yep. I hate having to keep track of a massive initiative. It only gets worse <laughs> at higher levels because there's all these different effects and things that pop off. But Derek, you don't have to keep up with the Animal Companions initiative. They just go on the same turn as the person who has them. It's not how it's supposed to work in 1E. I think oh, that well. that's the best idea, honestly. <laughs> it's the simplest way for you to run it, yeah. honestly. It's just <laughs> another thing to deal with. And like, I, it's also summoning, but like with summoning, I'm like, okay, well, even more so than Animal Companion, you're like class is leaning on this for its like mm-hmm. damage output. It's like, oh God, do you have to summon three things this fight? I'm sorry. Your yeah. character was the worst because you're like, all right, well, I have my animal companion. I'm going to turn into an air <laughs> elemental. And by the way, I'm going to summon an eagle over here. I'm just like, cat. Uh, eagle. Beautiful. Love the druids. <laughs> Don't hate my druid. You druids. I, my beloved. Um, druid is so cool. I didn't understand why a lot of the class guys put druid up towards the top in 1E, but yeah, I get it dog, like, yeah. They're amazing. I get it. You can turn into something, summon something, and have your animal fight. You are your own party. Mm-hmm. And same thing with my summoning cleric dog. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we call agree familiars aren't as bad as animal companions because no one ever uses their familiar. Looks at Drow. I've utilized my familiar. Thank you. You utilize it as a voice. And <laughs> I use them for other things, too. I just haven't had a familiar. I have used Scribble in a fight. Who's Scribble? Zifa's familiar. Oh. The, Our the, audience the, is the, right the with Jacob because they don't play in this campaign. I forgot Zifa had a familiar. Yeah, you don't pay attention to Zifa. I, I think of... Do you want to ex- describe Zifa and Scribble to the audience who is unaware? Zif, no, <laughs> you don't get to know. Fuck you. <laughs> a persuado dragon familiar. Uh, it's not. A <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can give me a goddamn motherfucking break. <laughs> not on this show. Nope. Zifa is my cat girl wizard, and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Scribble is her bitchy sidekick. They they hate each other, but they work for each other. Scribble has the ability to turn into a pen and spit ink. What is Scribble? He's a, I keep on thinking literature worm. It's not quite bookworm, but it's something very similar. Might be parchment worm. Scroll caterpillar. I tried to look it up for one E and all I got was parchment swarm. Eh, it's close enough. It's a spell. Now I'm curious. Parchment swarm. Imagine the paper cuts. Hold on, I gotta derail this discussion. When you cast the spell, you quickly tear a parchment into shreds and release the flying fragments into a swarm mm-hmm. around the target creature and deliver thousands of tiny paper cuts. Yeah. Oh my god. First yeah, you cast paper like. s- parchment swarm, then you cast lemon juice. Oh, oh boy. Acid Using rain. <laughs> normal parchment, this spell deals 1d6 points of magical slashing damage per cast level, maximum of 15d6. Wow. Dang, that's a good that's spell. A, a, is that third party or? It's oh a my God. fifth level uh, spell, first edition for, from uh, Occult Adventures. Nice. That's I'm a nice spell. For them. Yeah, save yeah, that keep one for that later. in mind. Damn. <laughs> Whoa, paper be upon thee. 
Calligraphy worm. Calligraphy worm. Thank you for saving this discussion. A calligraphy worm was really cool though, because you could like it was your little pet buddy who it's could turn into a pen. It's just a little guy who can turn into a, a a gold pen, and he can spit a little bit of ink. That's cute. And he's full of rage. Just like me. Anyway, the next question we got, moving on from familiars and uh, animal girls. companions. The only thing worse than familiars and animal companions is adopted NPCs. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to run them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop doing it. Because not only do I have to. <laughs> Don't give us NPCs to adopt. It's another thing in the initiative tracker. And then I have to sometimes role play them and also maintain their character sheet. Yeah. It's the <laughs> worst. You should just let us control NPCs. I get so confused with like DMs having their own player characters, which I don't think is a great idea. Like DMPCs are. It's very difficult to do well. Yeah. Cause like NPCs is just like, you can be a bit of a cardboard cutout because it's all about the party <laughs> anyway. Right. So, yeah. But DMPCs, I don't guess like, how do you have time as a DM to manage a player character and make your game interesting? Well, not only that, how do you not entirely metagame everything yeah, with your DM if character? The, yeah. If you're the DM, you're not playing and don't yeah. try to. Right. I agree. The most you get to play is the DM as being the NPCs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. You're um, a heel butt. Sit on, down. On that note, we got a question here from Mario. Uh, what makes good storytelling? Do you guys like detailed descriptions or general descriptions with visual aids? Honestly, I like pictures. It, I feel like this comes back to the play in person versus play virtually thing. Mm. I feel like if you're playing virtually, you need a lot of visual aids. Yeah. Because that's just how it works versus playing in person over like a, a wet erase map is very imagination heavy because you're all in the same room looking at the same scribbles, <laughs> imagining yeah. stuff together. I think yeah. it also comes down to the auditory. Do you describe the way your character does every action? Are you describing what they're thinking, how they're using their sword, etc.? Or are you just, I stab them and we move on? Are you like Matt Mercering this shit or, or what? What's I, happening here? Personally, and this might be the uh, podcast's influence on me, <laughs> I like things with less visual stuff like i love running adventure paths because you have artwork to show um but like i think i like even like things without a map like running forbidden lands is great because i feel like theater of the mind with just a little bit of artwork is so powerful and it also podcasts very well mm. like i feel like we're only using half of what foundry and pathfinder 2e can do because it can automate a lot and turn this into kind of another feel of a game and we're still rolling a lot on the table and we're not we're using it to like manage some of the like clunk but not really using it to its full potential because if we did it would be terrible to listen to because foundry would handle all the stuff and we wouldn't be talk about we wouldn't talk about what's happening as we're rolling right um, so that's what I really like about like Forbidden Lands and other rules light-ish things with D6 systems because it's very theater of the mind and I feel like everyone's imagination is the best storytelling piece uh, versus having to prep a bunch of like maps. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with occasionally describing something well, but yeah. if you describe everything all the time way too much yeah. you get bogged down yeah oh yeah now one of my big things with storytelling is i hate noun soup this mm -hmm. is honestly one of my biggest gripes listening to bigger shows like critical role or other like homebrewed games they will noun soup you as they try to explain their setting so hard i am dumb caveman tell me this is jungle city it is called this you don't need to like lay out these like names that I will forget 
in five minutes to explain your thing. Like, give me dumb, simple ex- explanation. And then once I understand that an episode or two in, then start peeling back the nouns, you know? Yeah, don't overwhelm your 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 people you're playing with with information. Mm-hmm. That's what I've really tried to do as we've done Tour of the Inner Sea is to make it very, I am new caveman, tell me how things work uh, instead of going deep into it too much. Because I feel like that high level overview without too much words or too many nouns like really helps to get the idea of a place versus like this is Belthrazabob of Belthrazabob of Ettercap. Of Ettercap. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 a, I know, that's a monster. You don't that's, have to insult your listeners' um, creativity. I know, but I, I that's I feel like that's that's another one. Anyone other I got some things that feel make good for good storytelling wow. at the table. Make good. Do you, do you feel make good for storytelling table? How <laughs> make good storytell? I mean, now it's a it's good occasionally. Like the, when we've had like letter readings and stuff, it's good occasionally to set mm-hmm. up that really nice monologue or vignette. But oh yeah, it could be overdone. Oh All yeah, right. I like uh, pictures. Yeah, I'll stand by it. I'm gonna. <laughs> I have bad imagining. I'm gonna stand by <laughs> something. If you have something that you really want to pop out, write down the description. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Write it down, read it out, make sure that you have it like so you're not stuttering. Mm. Paint a well-flowing visual picture and then bring out, you know, a visual aid if you want to. Yeah, and I feel like for me, one of the things, and this is another my style versus listening to other actual plays, Glass Cannon is really big in their whole network on cinematics and cinematic storytelling and audio medium. And they do a really good job of it. Um, they paint things a lot of the times like scenes mm-hmm. in a movie mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I feel like that underutilizes an audio medium. It also kind of depends on the game, I'd say. Because yeah. in a fantasy game, I can see that because you don't want everything to be Lord of the Rings. When you start describing something cinematically, I start thinking Lord of the Rings. But like when they start doing that for Delta Green. It works better in that game. It works I'm like, better there. Oh, yeah. It works mm-hmm. fantastic. It's because for of Delta the setting Green. of the yes, game, a modern the day type but, thing is different. But what I'm talking about is more just, especially, this is more podcast storytelling than TTRPG storytelling is they spend a lot of time talking about things camera wise. Yeah. Oh, and that's it's what, not my style. I, that's what I don't like about it. Cause this is, you're not, they're modeling after TV shows and that's fine. It does. It's not like it doesn't work. It works for them, but I feel like it's underutilized because so much of the writing and verbiage they do is describing what a camera sees. And I feel like that is just a bunch of unnecessary words in an audio medium. Cause I like audiobooks and, like when you read a book, it doesn't tell you about what the camera sees. It sets up a scene. Mm. And so one thing I've really challenged myself on when I've ever had to write um, uh, vignettes before, I can't tell if I've kept up with it, but I know I remember in Forbidden Lands and The Witcher when I was writing vignettes being like, you will not talk about what the camera sees. You will not say we see uh, any more than you absolutely have to because you don't need it. Anytime you're talking about like a shot of something, you can describe that scene without all the extra words of talking about what the camera does and doesn't see and how it's set up. Because it's it, it's an, you're talking to someone's imagination directly. With a camera and TV, you're telling the story because you have a camera and it has to sit, get a picture and then someone has to see that and then it hits their imagination. In a book and audio, you're putting words directly into someone, right? You don't need to go through these hoops is what I'm trying to say. Mm. 
Does that make enough sense? It's like the difference between if you set up a camera, you have essentially a 2D picture. If you're letting someone create the scene in their mind, yeah. they can see it in all three dimensions from any angle or lack of angle that they choose. Yeah. Um, yeah, here we go. I'm trying to find my closer for season two. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pull out a, a paragraph here. Somewhere out in the wide plains along the northern border of Redania, two figures sit around a small campfire under a clear starry sky. I could have taken three extra sentences to describe like a camera coming up and zooming on them, but like I don't have to. I can just say that sentence and you can imagine them however you want to, and you're probably going to get the same result, if that makes sense. I'm getting really into the details of storytelling here. Mm. Anyway, we've gone really off the rails again. This is the bonus pantry style. Off the rails and over specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, storytelling is important. I feel like there's a lot of work that we kind of figure out on that that we don't always explicitly get into. Like that's a thing that like I think I feel like I spend time on sometimes that doesn't always, it feels like we just play naturally. But like you think about these things storytelling wise, right? Um, like in, in this season, uh, whenever you guys were getting the airship, and you were meeting Farah and all that, and you had to recruit passengers. The book just says to um, you, like meet people in like role diplomacy checks. And there's this like a ton of passengers in this area. And I said, well, I need to make this digestible. What's a good thing to relate it to? And then I thought about Firefly and basically reset up that like story element of you set up a table and people come to you. And that makes so much more sense because in this uh people don't like that spark that part of the adventure path and a lot of the reviews I've seen of book two. It's like, why do I have to go hound people to be pa- a passenger? Um, and this one is more like, well, we're going to do this, but we need passengers. Go man the booth. You're part of the crew now, right? It feels like it's a lot more integrated. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Storytelling. Think about it. Let's go on to another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see here. We have another one from uh, The Great Betrayer. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. Thinking about other RPGs, uh, you guys have often mentioned that you're a very fantasy-oriented group uh, with the exception of pretty much Starfinder. Uh, If you guys had to pick another non-fantasy TTRPG for your podcast, what would you choose and why? Uh, Thanks as always. Uh, asterisks your asterisk great betrayer um well my personal great betrayer bridgie p delta green yep yeah that's fair i would want i would kill to play delta green it doesn't help that i started listening again to a delta green podcast and i just i love it i love the way it sounds i love the spooky stuff when it's done right and i tell you what if you've got the patreon for the glass cannon people they do delta green very well they make it spooky it's also funny so if you don't want to laugh don't listen to it but like they they nail the the horror in certain places i think they're also on youtube at least one of the seasons one of the seasons i think is on youtube yeah um but delta i would love to play delta green the problem with delta green is i'd have to run it for you to play it i'd love i'd run delta green Oh, I think fair. I'd love to run Delta Green. I think it. I, I don't know. I because I thought back on this. A lot of the stuff I ended up relying on when I plagiarized other things for a homebrew campaign <laughs> because it's homebrew. It's what you do. It's what yeah. you do. Um, it was mostly horror because I actually, while I cannot sit down and watch a really scary horror movie or play a scary video game, I love the horror genre, uh, and a lot of that ended up going into our homebrew campaign. Uh, that's what I would get my stuff from. And I think I could do, I think I could do a good job in Delta green. Okay. 
I more enjoy the modern day setting of that. That that's something else that we've never horror. touched. Um, horror is not necessarily my thing, but I can enjoy that modern setting that I can put myself in and imagine, like for real, like now. Yeah, you give me a date that I actually lived through. Man, I don't know. I don't want to play a game where I could, in theory, run into Twitter. <laughs> we could have our game take place before that. You could. It'd be modern day. I'd also, Monster of the Week would be another fun one, but that verge is on fantasy. We could play modern day, but set in the 90s. Oh. <laughs> modern 90s. Hang on, guys. I'm going to drink this Crystal Pepsi. I can't wait to go see this new movie called The Matrix. Let me go eat some Apple Jacks and a Kylie Graffiti Dalu. <laughs> Xbox. Skateboards. Grunge. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Well, Bridgie P, uh, I see what you're trying to do with this question. If you had to pick another non-fantasy TTRPG for your podcast, and I say, ha, good try. Valiant effort. I'm not telling you what's on my short list for other seasons. Uh-huh. Nope. Uh, as far it's as, the Witcher. Oh my God. As far as other things. We're doing like it again. Play, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to play Blades in the Dark uh, really bad. Mm. I've been trying to figure out a way to do that. Mm. Um but it will not happen on the podcast mm. for a very simple reason. Uh, part of the podcast is trying to pick a game and do a season that we feel like we could add something to. And I love Haunted City. I think it's an incredible Blades in the Dark actual play. And I have no desire to make a Blades in the Dark actual play season because that's so good. That And we've kind of verged yeah. up on the genre as well for a lot of our stuff. Oh, yeah. Fantasy, steampunk. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. We've hit that a it bit would, already. It would kind of feel like rehashing. Yeah. I'd also love to do Hope Finder, which just came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Which zombie apocalypse hack for 2E by Jason Bullman. The Bullman himself. Uh, but that's not going to happen on the show. Um, there is also a uh, game made for the Savage Worlds system called Weird War 2, which is alternate history oh, horror say, Weird War. Don't say we can't do that one. It's not going to happen. I want to hold show. out hope for that. We one. might do it, but it will not can be I on the show. Can pretend to hold out hope for the show? You can pretend a lot of things, Jacob. Awesome. Good. Um, non-fantasy. I'm trying to think. There's another RPG that we're not going to play on the show that I got <laughs> called Night Witches, which is about oh, yeah. being oh. Soviet Air Force uh, pilots, uh, like the women Soviet Air Force pilots in World War II. Um that's a cool little RPG that we're definitely not going to do on the show, but it's interesting. Um, what about, um, not Age of Rebellion, but the Clone Wars version of that for the fantasy flight Star having, Wars like, RPG? A, a moment Jacob whenever you just, just started, started moving. Gesturing. Yeah, he just, it, it, it just the, the starter box for Age of Rebellion is behind me on the shelf, so I had to start pointing because I couldn't get uh, the words out. I don't... There's a game up there that I will not tell the listeners that is under Age of Rebellion that is oh, on yeah, the short list. I was also yeah, going to mention that, that one. I'm on glad list. I didn't. Yeah. But no, not Age of Rebellion or that. I'd love to play it, but I don't think it's going to be a show thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Star, War- Star Wars is a thing that I don't... There's like... Whenever we have to start getting into I have to homebrew things for the show. Oh, that's fair. That's then we fair. have to. Yeah. Then it's that's like, a lot more work. That's more work. And we have to carefully pick what game it is because some games are very easy to do that in. Yeah. Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Others are less Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's a big thing. That's fair. That's but fair. A, a great question nonetheless. But you're not getting into my shortlist, Bridgie P. It is a closely nope. guarded secret. I have never mentioned and will never mention on the show or the social media is anything that is on the short list. Be careful. 
He can uh, use process of elimination. If you follow me, there's on a Twitch, lot of TTRPGs out there, honestly. So if he figures out That's the a other joke, things by we the figured way. out, wait, what? I said, if you follow me on Twitch, I'll spill it. <laughs> <laughs> That's only for subscribers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, Derek, for like a solid five bucks, I'd I'd betray you. <laughs> <laughs> only Gee, five dollars. Yeah, I'd stab you in the back for a pastrami sandwich. I would sell your soul to Satan for one corn chip. (laughs) A corn chip, though? Tortilla chips? For GP, if you got me tortilla chips, I might tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But they have to be the blue corn type. The good, the good, good. good. Uh, The good gush. uh, (laughs) So we got one more. and the series of questions I think are really good. Another one from Mario. Uh, is there multi-classing <laughs> in Pathfinder 2nd Edition? And how do you think it works versus Pathfinder 1st Edition or D&D 3.5 or 5th Edition? Um, also, Scions, or I guess Psionics. What are your thoughts, yeah or nay? I'll tell you that one, oh. Roy, quickly. At least for 1st Edition Pathfinder, I have no idea. I saw Ultimate Psionics and I was like, are those lightsabers on the cover of that book? <laughs> Huh? And that was the extent of my interaction with it. Psyon like psychics? Sort of. Are you supposed to psychics? Oh, I love you, D20 PFSRD. Listen, everyone loves Nethus, and Nethus is really, really good. But D20 PFSRD, my beloved, for all those years. Psionics Unleashed is third party. Yeah, exactly. Ostracize. Be gone. Go away. My... Mm, yeah. Too complicated. How dare you bring third party into this discussion? Third party Pathfinder Talk stuff. It. What are we, Matthew Capitaza? Bigger thing for first edition Pathfinder I'm was sorry, like Matthew Hart. The bigger thing for Pathfinder first edition was like, is there not enough official content already? Like, there's a mountain. Well, it depends. Actually, it does depend on what you're looking for. Because like, if you're looking for kineticist stuff, or God help you, shifter stuff. Um, at the end of one first edition, Shame. no, there's not enough Shame. stuff. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but multi-classing, this is actually a really good question. Yes. Because 2E does multi-classing completely differently. In a different way, yeah. Completely different. Mm-hmm. So a potentially better way. I, I, I kind of Depends I think on what it, you're playing. I think it works really good for the system. So the yeah. way classes work in second edition is every even level, you get a class feat. Sometimes you get one at first level. Um, but every even level, you will get a class fee. And that is basically a pick an ability for your class, usually some sort of actions in combat or something related to that, right? So that's basically, instead of like you, uh, in first edition, you would like pick an archetype or your class and you would just get stuff every few levels and then you'd have feats. Every You was just like a massive pool of feats that could be anything. Massive. Just feet everywhere. <laughs> But like in second edition, instead of getting your class abilities directly, you kind of pick them through class feats. You'll pick like a subclass and you'll kind of be put on a track, which will have a couple different choices every even level. Um, So the way multi-classing works is you can choose instead of taking a class feat to take a uh, archetype, a dedication feat. And dedications can be for an archetype uh, and some of the, archetypes out there are called multi-class archetypes so there's like a bunch of different archetypes like eleanor is an acrobat and that can be taken by a number of different classes there's like prerequisites right um but every single class out there also has a multi-class archetype 
dedication entry point. So like for sorcerer, you have to have 14 charisma to take the dedication fee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you will basically get cantrips and Can't first be level ugly spell. if you're a sorcerer. <laughs> nope. get cantrips and I think some either first level spell casting or maybe just cantrips, but like even those would be really good. Um, the cantrips fuck in this system, dog. Yeah, they do. Yeah, cantrips are great. Let me look at this specifically so I can tell you what you get. I know with like things like the witch, you get a familiar and some spells. A uh, little guy. The wizard, you get some spells and a spell book, I believe. Uh, alchemist, you just get very limited alchemical abilities. Like you don't uh, really yeah. get a, a multi-class. You just get a couple of abilities from another class. Uh, yeah, so sorcerer dedication, it's archetype dedication and a multi-class specific. Uh, you need 14 charisma to be able to do it. Uh, you choose a bloodline and become trained in that bloodline's two skills. For each of those skills in which you're already trained, you become trained in a skill of your choice. Uh, you cast spells like a sorcerer and you gain access to the cast of spell activity. You gain a spell repertoire with two common cantrips from the spell list associated with your bloodline uh, from the spells granted by your bloodline or any of the cantrips of the tradition you learn or discover. You are trained in spell attack uh, roles and class DCs of your tradition spells, blah, blah, blah. So you basically just get some basic spell casting in a bloodline. Um, and the special thing with a lot of dedications is you can't select another dedication feat until you have taken uh, two other feats from the sorcerer archetype. So it means you can't just get like level two sorcerer dedication, level three or level four um, wizard dedication, level six, some other dedication. You have to like stick with the dedication for a little bit. Um, and then so that's a feat too. And then at level four, uh, you could take more feats into that dedication, right? So basically instead of like multi-classing being a level thing, like I'm taking a level in another class and getting it stuff. You have a base class and you will never be able to change that. But instead of your class feats from that being from there and giving you more powers in that, you can spend them uh, getting feats from other classes through dedications and archetypes, <laughs> uh, which I think works really well. Yeah. I think if you have a smaller group of people, like three or four, you should consider using the... Uh, alternate rule from the game mastery guide called uh, free archetype. That's what we use because what that does is every even level you get a free class feat that you have to use on an archetype. So that's why Chester is a, um, a uh, investigator with the alchemist dedication. And the thing about the uh, bonus archetype is unless you try to, cause there are ways to do it. You don't actually get all that much more powerful by having it, you just get more options. Now, to be fair, there are ways you can cheese it. Uh, so it's good to do that with a limit to it. Like it's the bonus archetype is for a theme. Um, and that's what we tried to do for Atlas of Alkenstar. Yeah. Like um, Psykir, uh, your whole thing is like you can be a spellcaster, but you have to take Wellspring Mage. That's a yeah. whole archetype that you were given through your free archetype thing um, to fit the theme of magic being unpredictable. Uh, and Eleanor took the acrobat dedication because it gives you stuff around being acrobatic. Yeah. Um, at the same time, and let Eleanor focus class feats on being a swashbuckler. Yeah, so like if you also, if you wanted to have an adventure where you're playing as a group of bards or a, <laughs> a group of wizards, you could just say, well, that doesn't mean you have to be a bard. You can be a blank with the bard dedication and that you would just give that dedication to everybody. Um, and it would be as simple as that. It wouldn't yeah. actually hurt you 
to do that. Whereas in any other game, like if you're playing 1E and you wanted to do a bard adventure, everybody would be a level one bard, level whatever, whatever else you wanted to be. Right. And That'd that be nifty too. would technically hurt you unless it the DM you, encount, uh, accounted for that for balance. It puts you back levels in your main class. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Essentially making you not quite as strong as someone who stays pure one class unless they completely metagame chunk it out to make it better. You have to be really careful with multi-classing in 1E or 3-5 because, yeah, you're giving up a level of whatever your other stuff is. So if you're a full caster, you have to be, like, super careful. Even if something you multi-class into in first edition works really well with the current setup that you have, like, you're not totally mad, like I did Sorcedon, if you are a caster primarily... It sets you back, and you start to feel it even with just one level. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the best example that I know off the top of my head for that one was once again the GCP did an adventure oh, where their cleric took a level of fighter and multi-classed, and because of that, could not cast like a a cure disease or some kind of spell that would have been really helpful yeah. at that point in time. But because they multi-classed, they couldn't do it. Because you're a level behind. You don't have that problem in uh, second edition, because yeah. if you were a level five cleric and for your fifth, uh, fourth level, you dedicated to something else, it doesn't hurt your spell levels. At level five, you still have your third level spells. Yeah, I really like um, that all classes in 2E have the same spell progression rate in terms mm-hmm. of what level spells they get access to, because in first edition, mm-hmm. your wizard gets access to higher level spells. So like your wizard gets third level spells at fifth level character your sorcerer gets them at sixth level character and that's basically just how it goes for prepared versus spontaneous across the board uh more or less and with by the same token if you miss a level by Mm multi-classing in first edition this also applies to three five by the way then because your spell dcs are spent are set on your ability modifier and your spell level getting a like fourth level spell a level behind everyone else means that your DC is not going to keep pace. Mm. Yes. Um, So like I've done a lot of multi-classing in first edition. Uh, I had a uh, Magus gunslinger with an archetype. Um, And then the most disgusting multi-class I did was a paladin sorcerer uh, prestige classed into dragon disciple. Yeah. Um, I wanted to multi-class my druid Yura in reign of winter. I wanted to give her a barbarian level because it would match her backstory, give her some more melee capabilities, but I didn't because it would have put me behind on spells. It's so difficult. And that's just too much of a hit to take for what? One rage. Right. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's great for saves. um, But yeah, it's just not worth it. Even so like when I've done multi-classing, I've just accepted if I have spells that like I need to cast things that don't have saves or that are buffs, right? Yeah. So like things with attack rolls or just straight buffs, because once you get into having something need to fail a save, you have to play really carefully to make that like work. Magus is great as a class in one E, but like you cannot rely on things to fail their saves because that save is set by the, spell level and you're a yep. two-thirds caster so you're just gonna suffer uh-huh. um it sucks but that's why i like tui so much because i feel like yes it doesn't multi-classing doesn't feel like it works the same way but like you can get 90 percent of the way there with i feel like it doesn't punish you for multi-classing 
Exactly. That's a huge deal. Um, it does exactly what multiclassing should do. Let you be more, uh, have more variety in the actions you can do without har harming your base progression. Like, yes, you're not specializing in your class, but you're like trying to be, you're trying to have more variety in your abilities, but your base stuff won't get hurt. Yeah, your rogue won't lose out on sneak attack. Right. Your magic casters won't lose out on spell levels, but they will lose out on specializations at the expense of getting smaller specializations from other classes. But that feels like a fair trade. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with how important it is being trained versus untrained uh, with some things. Like, yeah, it, it's you need to be like... Uh, expert master legendary later on but like just going from untrained to trained is like the biggest jump so like multi-classing helps w you pick up those things if you're like like us and you're one short of full party um but yeah good question i was looking forward really to talking good one. about that one it's <laughs> a good discussion our last question is one that i have had in the queue for a little bit and i haven't known what to do with it and it's been starting to give me anxiety yeah. Um, I'm just going to read it out here and then we're going to respond to it. Uh, hi, this is Fred. I'm a fan of yours from the Philippines. Hi, Fred. Hi, hi Fred. Fred. Hello. <laughs> uh, I would love to play in a sci-fi TTRPG, but unfortunately, most of my friends are just not into the hobby. Can you speed run me through a very quick Starfinder or any other setting of your choice game? Uh, and then he has details. My character is Fred, the fighter in space. I rolled 5d20s on Google with the following results, 14, 6, 15, 5, and 12. For simplicity's sake, can you describe a situation and then uh, roll a d20 versus my pre-rolls, and if I get the higher value, I succeed on the challenge. I'm just going to say I, I, I appreciate the, the thing here, but like this is not really what bonus banter is for. Um, and honestly, I generating a quick little scenario would be fun but like i don't have that kind of time and energy to put mm -hmm. into writing that um but i wanted to take this this thing here i'm sorry i can't run you through something i thought about running letting being just chew up your character and watching <laughs> what would happen yeah. um, but i'm not going to do that to you uh-huh but instead we can offer some suggestions yeah, yeah so yeah. i actually wanted to talk about what can you do if you don't have a group because mario actually mentioned this in one of his questions a while back um and i think this is an important thing to talk about um and you do have some options i not having a gaming group sucks it does um and i totally understand uh, i would say the first thing you can do is try to play online and like random sign up games but like keep in mind that here's a few things they will probably be terrible half the time um, <laughs> it is a risk yes it's uh, a risk, yeah. but like you'll be able to play um if you can afford to get into paid gming games by reputable gms i've heard really the yeah. best experiences are those because then you're like w weeding out the people who like actually care because the problem with random signups is scheduling and yeah. if people are willing to put you know 15 dollars down for a session they're going to be there. And the person GMing it also knows they have to put out something worth their time and money or else they will get chewed up alive. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I would say as someone who's done Pathfinder Society and Adventures League at like local gaming stores, that is actually a pretty good stopgap depending on your area. Um, if that's like a thing that near you, if you have like a local gaming store that does those, 
I would check them out, but like, don't get your hopes too up because mm-hmm. like, it's also going to be other people who don't have a group. So like, mm-hmm. they might not have a group because they're new to town, or they may not have a group because they're bad people. They have an abrasive they, personality. They, <laughs> okay. Well, yes, there, there's two ways of saying that. Thank you, Jake. It's a hard hobby to be an introvert in. Just, just I've, saying. I've yes, met yes. some really fun people to pl- that I've played with at some of those, but other mm-hmm. sessions you've had people that are not that great. Yes, like to cheat. Um. And then another thing you can do, this is takes a bit of bravery, but like if you're struggling with online groups, but you have a couple online friends who are loosely interested, you can offer to GM. The biggest hurdle to finding a group is like getting a GM. And mm-hmm. so like if you let yourself, if you put yourself under the gun to be the GM, you can solve like half the problems yeah. of getting a group together. I would yeah. agree. Um, Jacob knows this very yeah, was, well. If I had, If we had started playing and I said, guys, let's play this, but I don't want to lead this and nobody else never touched it. We wouldn't have never played. We yeah. would not for, be here for a solid reason. Nobody who gets introduced in this hobby, not knowing wants if they to like take it, the, wants the to take step. Yeah, the responsibility of reading this entire hundreds mm-hmm. of page book and be like, I guess I'll run this. No. Yeah. <laughs> so if half the problem is just finding the DM stepping up. So yeah. you be that person and it's a lot easier to make a group. And a lot of times what you can do, what you end up happening is if you take the step of being the GM, uh, you can take people who aren't into this. And like, if you have like a group of people that are your friends or just like maybe like fantasy stuff or maybe like sci-fi stuff, mm-hmm. you can like slowly pull them in. Yeah, you can make allowances yeah. for the rules it's to like make a, sure people are interested. It's like a friend yeah. of mine at work put a group together and one was like, well, I don't want to play unless I can be a dog person. He's like, you know what? Yeah. I can take tabaxi and other cat people and make that work. It's like, if that's what it takes to get you to play, I will make that happen. Because like mm-hmm. I have family who doesn't really particularly care to play this regularly. But if I say, Hey, do you guys want to play like a fun little session of something and like a family get together? They'll happily do it. Like, so offering to be a GM takes care of like, a lot of things you have um, to be able to teach them too. It, yeah. But at the same time, being a GM, isn't the like hardest thing in the world. Like it is hard work. Don't get me wrong, but you don't have to memorize an entire rule book to be a GM. Yeah. Like beginner boxes exist for a reason mm-hmm. and they're very good at what they do. I want to say something real quick. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to sound sarcastic, but I mean this with mm-hmm. all of my heart. If your friends are not into this, get new friends for it. You don't have to get rid of those friends, but you can have two separate friend groups. Yeah. yeah. That's like if you can go to a local gaming store, mm-hmm. You, they, I wouldn't bet on it, but there's a chance that you could find people you like and start Join a gaming group. Discords. Yeah. there There's ways to do this, but like I get it. We're all introverts. Or not all of us, but a lot of us in the hobby are introverts. So like putting ourselves out there is scary and we get burned a lot. But like you got to do all and And honestly, in my opinion, offering to be the GM, like jumps a lot of the hurdles mm-hmm. um, it's like i was one of those people who got pulled in with the come on just try it and now i like it yeah uh, and the other thing i'll say is if you are playing online with like warhorn groups or whatever uh if someone says they want to stream it don't don't do not uh streams record are fun. it uh, streams are fun recording your game is cool but like mm-hmm. don't try to make content uh one of the things with like our group that i feel like people miss because like everyone is into trying to make content and like being a YouTuber or being a streamer or whatever. Our group, I feel like works well because we were a group with good player chemistry and we played a lot together before we turned on the microphones. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can't just play together for the first or second time and expect everything to go well and make good content. Uh, you can have a fun time. 
absolutely you can but like making it into content adds a a work dimension to it that i would yeah. say you should stay away from if you can so yeah, yeah. to recap um play online if you can try to find groups expect that it'll probably won't be great if you can afford to pay for paid gms like consider looking into it uh offer to be a gm if you're trying to pull a group together mm -hmm. um uh, try local game stores if you can. Uh, and uh, if someone offers to say, hey, why don't we make a podcast or stream? Say, why don't we play together first <laughs> for a while? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it can definitely add an, a, a work element that makes that ruins a lot of the fun. Like, thank you for reaching out, dog. But lovingly, that's not what we do here. Yeah. And I just I feel like answering this. I don't want to necessarily open the gates to everyone who looks for a group to like give us a thing to make content off of their roles mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but I appreciate it. I think it lets us talk about um, other people wanting to find groups because it sucks and it's hard. Yes. This hobby is targeted at people who have a hard time. Yeah. Making groups of friends <laughs> like this. So it's this a is catch for the parasocial people. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it for this bonus banter. We had some really good questions in here today. We cleaned out the queue. Mm -hmm. Boy, did we pack it in today. Yeah, yeah, we did. So thank you everyone to wrote in. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying this uh, content stream. And I'm glad that we get another way to just kind of turn on the mics and banter about mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Don't worry, Fred. You'll get your fighter in space. You will. And I, One won't, day. I won't degrade you by having Bing make up something to put thread through. Mm -hmm. Fred through. Yell at your friends, too. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the thing is, there are so many tabletops out there that you can probably find something that would match their specific tastes. Probably, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be d d doesn't have to be Pathfinder. That's what the third gallon is about. Starting with board games. Get yeah. them in with board yeah, games. Yeah, play mousetrap. <laughs> play right. mousetrap. Play mousetrap. Anyway, <laughs> see you guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bonus Banter. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. If you would like to submit a question or comment for Bonus Banter, please use the Google form linked in the episode description. If you want to see more from us, check out our website, thirdgallon.com, or follow us on Twitter. We are at thirdgallon, that's T-H-I-R-D, gallon. We are also on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook with the same handle, at thirdgallon. We also publish a video version of this podcast on YouTube, which you can find on our channel, The Third Gallon Podcast. The theme music for Bonus Banter was composed by Alexander Nakarada. You can find more of his work at serpentsoundstudios.com and support him at patreon.com slash anakarada. That's patreon.com slash A-N-A-K-A-R-A-D-A. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>